The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. You know, you know how many times I, I, I'm alone and I think to myself, please don't die before they win a Stanley Cup. If he were a better skater, Michael Buble wouldn't be a singer. A few years ago, the Vancouver native suited up and practiced with his beloved Canucks. At one point, he jumped out on a breakaway and nearly beat the team's starting goalie. But he hit the crossbar. As a performer, he rarely misses. Michael has won four Grammys and sold more than 40 million records. His competitive spirit has led him to a brilliant career, but his Canucks are perennial underdogs. Since they joined the NHL back in 1970, they've been to the Stanley Cup Finals three times and haven't won one yet. It's heartbreaking, Michael says but he'll be singing at the top of his lungs when they finally win it all. I'm LaChina Robinson. Those sweet, funky sounds you hear are the Budos Band. And this is Huge Fan, the podcast where stars talk sports. Now, please welcome Michael Buble, Vancouver Canucks Huge Fan. Michael, it's great to have you on the show. Um, thanks for joining us. Now, let's get to those Canucks, because I know that you want to talk about your favorite team. Um, you talked about hockey being your first love. Can you just talk about how that love affair started? Yeah. My father was a big hockey fan, and uh, he loved the Canucks. And so, as a kid, I just, have so, I just had so many great memories of my grandpa and my, my two grandpas, my father's dad and my mom's dad. They had season's tickets, and they'd split the season's tickets. I think it was about 40 games at home. And they would take me to every single game. And so even now, at 40 years old, I, I, uh, when I see them or I see the old uniforms, I'm taken back. And I mean, it was such a big part of my life, and it was a part of having that connection with my dad and, and the, the male guys, you know, the male figures in my family. And um, it's funny now with my own boys, I, I have the same thing. And um, it's a, just a really cool thing to have that kind of passion and that love. And uh, to be honest with you, it has been heartbreaking. It's been heartbreaking. We've never won. We've gotten to the finals three times. And uh, it's, it hurts to be a Canucks fan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I didn't want to bring up those um, three finals, but 1982, yeah. 1994, 2011. Uh, but before we get there, when you think about being the age that your kids are now, and you growing up, you dreamed of being a hockey player. Um, what kind of 
player were you once you started playing and, and who did you kind of model your game after? Like who was that for me, you know, was taking that last second shot out outside at the basketball court. But what was your hockey game like? Soft, really soft. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I love, I wish I was like the tough scrappy, you know, um, but <laughs> I, uh, I was way more of a finesse player. I loved, you know, I, I, I love getting the assist more than I like getting the goal. Um, my favorite players were, uh, you know, if we're talking about the Canucks, guys like Thomas Gradeen, and, and they weren't soft at all. They were, they were tough. They're all tough. I mean, God, the, the weakest one is tougher than I could ever be. But um, I love the skill players. I love the players like Pavel Bure. Uh, now players like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser. And these guys are just great players. I mean, I have a great mind for the game. And, um, but I was slow. I was probably a lot smaller than any, you know, these, most of these guys are in their, you know, six foot four, six foot, you know, and I wasn't, I was five ten. So I have, I, you, if you have time, I have many more excuses as to why I wasn't better at it. <laughs> well, now my job is to go back and find some YouTube of you back in your hockey days playing. Oh, no, you uh, don't. You can just find, you can find YouTube of me. I went and actually got signed by my hometown team, the Vancouver Canucks, and I went and did a practice. And uh, I practiced with all the boys. It was 2011, I think. And they asked, you know, what do you want? And I said, well, I'd like to have one breakaway against Roberto Luongo. And uh, I think in the interview, when they asked Roberto Luongo, who was one of the great goaltenders in the history of the Canucks, he said, what was it like with Buble's breakaway? And Roberto said, well, he came in slowly and then he slowed down even more. <laughs> and I think I rang it off the crossbar and then I put my skate to my other skate and ended up sliding headfirst into the boards. I think that was my... NHL debut. What were your expectations like when you knew you were going to head into this practice and what was that experience like versus what you thought it would be? Oh, no, I was terrified. It was the, it was, it was a joy because I was meeting my, but I was a lot younger than I am now. So now I'm friends with all, a lot of the players on, on the, the current team. And I feel like I, I'm, I'm very close to their maturity level. And they're about 19, 21, 23. But at the time <laughs> <laughs> in 2011, I was really like, I was looking at these guys and just, they were my heroes and I couldn't believe I was sitting there. I didn't know what to say. I was honestly, the whole time I was shaking. It was brutal. I was just really, I was shaking. And, uh, and my ex expectation, I felt at that moment when I started that breakaway that I would glide in and I would smoothly rip that puck just under the crossbar and score. And that everyone would say, wow, this guy, he could have <laughs> gone pro. But in reality, I look like a fat potato coming in slowly and then falling <laughs> on my face. What surprised you getting out there? You know, honestly, I, it's a great question. It's weird. The, the thing that surprised me was their vulnerability. Mm. Was that that day when I came in and I was pretty terrified, I saw very quickly that many of them were as nervous or more nervous than I was to meet me. Mm. And... Um, you know, even though it was on their turf and they had all their buddies around, we're just people, you know, every, you know, just human beings. And, uh, and it's funny too, because a couple of the guys at that time were kind of our veteran players. And I remember looking, you know, getting up close and really talking to them and realizing that the veteran players at that time were younger than I was, mm. you know, these mature grizzled, as they called them, veterans were 26, 27 yeah. years old. And that time I was already 30, you know, something like 32 or 33. So um, 
it was really eye-opening actually. And then, and as I've gotten going, and as I've become an owner of a team and I've gotten, you know, become closer to a lot of these NHLers, I realize that they're just, you know, a lot of them are just kids and uh, their whole lives they've, they've worked their butts off. And, um, you know, it's funny, you know, we go back to the Canucks and what it means to me and so much of it and who those Canucks have been through most of the years were so much of how I wanted to be in my life and 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 their identity was they were not the most talented they weren't the fastest mm-hmm. uh, and they weren't the toughest but damn it they gave they gave everything they had and that's what that's kind of what our identity was it was a team of guys who never quit uh our, you know we had a captain named Stan Schmiel who to this day is a beautiful guy but he's just he's that guy he'll give you everything he has you know he he leaves nothing left and, um, and what they lacked in all of those other attributes they had in, in, in try and effort. And, and, uh, and I always, because I always felt like I was kind of that guy in this business. I didn't get signed till very late. I was very alone and still am alone in, you know, I'm not in the pop world where I'm, you know, doing duets with a bunch of pop people. And I'm, I don't live in that MTV world. I don't go to the award shows. I've always kind of been the underdog, uh, the outsider, and I just, you know, and by the way, that competitiveness that I had growing up, that's what got me to where I was going because I, as much as I love music and my fellow artists, I am so competitive that I wanted mm-hmm. to out tour them. I wanted to outsell them. I wanted to outwrite them. I wanted to, you know what I mean? It was always mm-hmm. like a big part of me. Yeah. That competitive gene is something. Okay. So take me back to the sights and sounds of your first time seeing the Canucks on home ice. <laughs> I do remember, <laughs> it's going to sound weird to you, but they made the most beautiful sub sandwiches at, at the Pacific Coliseum, which is where the Canucks used to play. And I just remember they were so yummy. They had all the, they probably the worst things for you, but they were yummy. I remember we had the most God awful yellow uniforms with a V with like an orange V. I think they might be the ugliest uniform in all of sport. And to me, they were so beautiful. I mean, to this day, I see it and I get, I get emotional, but I remember that the building was made of wood, the Pacific Coliseum, and it was a great building. And I remember that part of why I wanted to become a singer was because there was a, an anthem singer named Richard Loney. And, uh, I just, I mean, he, I would watch him sing O Canada and the Star Spangled Banner and I would come home and I would, I would sing it as from, from as young as I could remember. Um, I remember the play-by-play announcer saying, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks. And I was fascinated by, you know, how he entertained us and that, the, the, the gravitas he brought with his, his character and his voice. And there were so many things, I mean... Um, I remember watching face-offs, the first face-off, and I don't know why I felt like I was inside the game as opposed to now where, uh, you know, it always seems so far away. Um, at that time as a kid, I was, I, could, I was right in there. Maybe it was, it was a smaller building. Mm. Maybe it was a different time. But I remember that uh, the place that the games were, like I said, the Pacific Coliseum was at a place called the P&E, the Pacific National Exhibition, and they had horse races. So my grandpa would walk with me, and we would walk by the stables, and I remember the smell of the horses and on cold November nights, he would always say, hey, sunshine, walk backwards. And I'd say, why? And he'd say, you know, because it's, it's less cold on your face and you, if you put your back to the wind. And so we must look like 
two weirdos with my grandpa holding my hand and walking backwards to the game. But that's what we would do. There's a million memories I have. Beautiful memories. Wow. Great memories, especially with your grandfather. What, what other gems did he maybe share with you about the team or about hockey overall? Anything that stands out? Oh, you, you know, it's funny. As much as, as I'm so competitive and, and it matters to me, he would always say, sunshine, it's just a game. Remember, it's just a game. And I say it to my kids all the time. As much as, you know, they want to win, I take them to their soccer practice or basketball and things like that. And um, it upsets them when they, you know, when they lose. And what's funny is, you know, we don't keep score in those sort of uh, the sports at that age anymore. You know, everyone wins. But those kids know what the score is. My kids, you know, I'll forget or I'll, I'll miss one. And, you know, I'll go like, hey, you know, it's 4-4. And my kid will go, no, 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 we're winning 4-3. And they're enjoying hockey. Are they taking to the sport? They do. I, I, uh, I'm like the MC Hammer of jazz music. I built a house with a hockey rink in the basement. Wow, look at you. Which is a bit, a bit ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but, but we love it. It's so much... It's so stupid. I mean, I actually feel guilty about it quite a bit because it was ridiculous. I've never done anything. I don't have fancy cars and stupid things like that, but I did that and um, they, they love it. If you're going to go, go all out. I love it. I think it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, I, I told you we would circle back around to those uh, three finals games. Um, sure. In 1982, you lost to the New York Islanders. Uh, 1994, Rangers. 2011, you lost to the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Um, describe the energy in Vancouver during the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, 82 Stanley Cup Finals, we were completely a Cinderella team. And when I talk about the identity of a team that isn't, you know, as talented or isn't as fast or isn't as built, uh, this was just a team of scrappy, hard. I mean, there were talented guys, obviously, but there was just really this cohesiveness that came uh, with the magic of a starting goaltender who got really hot, a man named Richard Brodeur. We called him King Richard. Uh, and then, you know, people like Stan Smeal and Gurdine and all these guys were just really, uh, just they didn't ever quit. But when it came to the final and actually playing against the New York Islanders, the Islanders were made up of a team of, they were basically, if you look back, they're an all-star team. They were, you know, it was, you know, you could have, it could have been, you know, Pippen and Jordan and whoever. It was, you know, uh, it was just too many guys and they just handed us. Uh, 94, uh, it was a good team, uh, a lot more talented. I'd say uh, they were a big team. They were tough. But again, we went up against uh, the New York Rangers who were, uh, I would say, pretty much uh, equal. I don't think they were better or worse. I think maybe they had a few better pieces. Uh, they had definitely leaders like Mark Messier who had been there before and knew what it took to win. And as you know, um, being the athlete you are, there's a lot you learn in these playoffs. You learn, you learn what it takes. And so we lost in game seven and, um, and it was close. We were a crossbar away, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, that night we were at friend's house and I, I went, we went all, we all went downtown you know, because I think there was this, I mean, a massive sense of disappointment and uh, frustration and sadness, of course. Uh, and I remember being out in the middle of uh, one of the, the streets they'd closed off and there were thousands of us out there. There was a big garbage can, one of those big old, you know, round metal garbage cans in the middle of the, in, of the you know, the thousands of people. And there was a guy who had a big Canuck flag and he was waving the Canuck flag and people were cheering and singing the songs and and then he had a New York Rangers flag and he lifted up the Rangers flag and started waving it. You could hear people start booing. And the, the, the garbage can had been on fire. There was a fire going on it. 
And then he took the flag and he put it into the garbage and it lit. And that's, it just, it was like a snap point. And all of a sudden I watched this beer bottle fly by me. And then in an instant, I watched another and another and another. And within, honestly, within seconds, it was just chaos. It was, I heard, you know, there was windows smashing and it was a full out riot. Mm. full out right I mean smashing fighting I mean there were we were fighting I was fighting there was people just grabbing each other and it was just pure chaos it was really scary it was just crazy so that's how I that never imagined yeah it was crazy that that you were actually there yeah and we're such it's so weird because we're known as such polite and courteous people up here in Canada and uh it was just weird it was the it was a weird group of people I think from all different parts of our community. And um, it just was a bad scene. Really, honestly, it was, it's embarrassing. You know, it's just embarrassing for us. It's a real mark on our city, but it gets worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because then we get to 2011. In 2011, the Vancouver Canucks with easily the strongest team in our history, led by the Sedin twins, uh, have a, a stacked team and all year we kick the crap out of everybody and we are favorites to win the Stanley cup for the first time in our history. We are favorites and we get through the rounds, the early rounds. Uh, we, we take out the teams we have to, it's not easy. We have a really exciting series against Chicago who are basically our, our arch enemies who had beat us previous years and actually gone on to win the Stanley cup. And we go ahead of them by a few games and they catch up to us. They tie us. I think it, I think it was they, they, we were ahead three to one, I believe, in the series. And they tie us games three, three. Now the whole city is just absolutely fearful that this is over. Uh, I believe we go up uh, one nothing in the game, in the game seven, the deciding game. And Chicago ties it up in the, the third period. And now we're going into overtime. And my God, is the curse of the Vancouver Canucks fans going to hit us again? And uh, in the overtime period, the goaltender takes the puck, their goaltender. And as he tries to dump it out of their zone, one of our forwards named Alex Burrows catches the puck with his right hand. He drops it to a stick and he rips a slap shot in. As our announcer, John Shorthouse, screams, the Vancouver Canucks have slayed the dragon. They finally slayed the dragon. I was on my honeymoon, drunk as a skunk, at about five o'clock in the morning, outside on a balcony in uh, Venice, uh, screaming and crying. And so we get through, and in the next rounds, they get through a little bit easier. I think they take Mm -hmm. out San Jose and I believe Dallas or someone. And we get to the Stanley Cup final against Boston, who is the underdog. And uh, we've lost now a few of our key players to injuries. And um, we go up again. I believe it was three games to two. I have a show that's in Connecticut and um, I move the show. Oh, I move the show and I say, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch this game. Um, I'm going to fly back to Vancouver and I want to see the Vancouver Canucks win the Stanley Cup at home. Or excuse me, I, I did it in Boston. So I go to the game in Boston and it's the scariest thing ever because I don't know if you ever, you know, you, the Boston uh, I was born fans in Boston. Be, so be, very familiar. Oh my <laughs> God. Oh my God. God. So I go there and we lose. And now I have to actually move my show 
because now there's going to be a game seven, which I didn't expect. So I move my show and uh, I fly to Vancouver and the same damn thing happens. We lose game seven. I know that was just, that's crazy. And people ask me all the time, they go, would you do it again? If you had to do it again, would you, would you move the show and go and watch the game? And I'll be honest with you. No, I, I probably wouldn't. I was probably pretty immature and selfish to do it, but Oh, I don't know if I could have forgiven myself if we had won and I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. missed it. No, you had to be there. I mean, this, this team is, is a part of your fabric. So definitely get a, definitely get a pass from me. Um, you mentioned them earlier, but talk about the Sedin twins for two brothers to play together and star in the NHL for 18 years is just incredible. I mean, what do they mean to the city of, of Vancouver? Yeah, it was a, well, there's just a magic story. Even though that you could see the raw talent at times, um, you know, we didn't, we really didn't know what we had. And then a few seasons into their careers, you could see the, the magic. It was basically like a, a two Wayne Gretzky's who could, who could almost see the, the game uh, in their heads. You know, they would end up mm-hmm. going and playing and passing to where each other were going to be. And that's what Wayne Gretzky would say that a lot. He'd say, I don't go to where the puck is. I go to where the puck is going to be. And it was magic. And I mean, they truly were unstoppable. And um, it's funny, you know, there was one year where uh, I believe it was Henrik was uh, close to being the scoring leader that year. He had one game left and I believe he was three points behind. I think it was Jermaine Jagger at the time. I might be wrong. And, um, and I saw the most, it was one of the most magic things I've ever seen in sports and one of the most emotional. He needed three points to tie to be the, the league leader. And I watched his brother that game. It was like he was a man on a mission and he was going to make sure that his brother didn't just get the record, but beat the record and became uh, the leading scorer for the league. And that night he did. He got him the first three points. He tied it up. And I don't think anyone in Vancouver could believe it. But you could see the way that Daniel looked at Henrik, that there was something that was so much bigger than a game. There was so much love. Mm. There was there was this intent that could not, he, they couldn't be stopped. It, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's really, it's amazing, isn't it? It's a movie. I mean, it really is. It's, and we called it Sedinery. 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 It was like, well, look at that Sedinery. What are they doing? At its best, what is Canucks hockey? For me, it's, it's pure joy. Bliss. My happy place. Really. Yeah. Do you know how many times I, <laughs> I'm alone and I think to myself, please don't die before they win a Stanley Cup. Like, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I think about it. And what's weird is my grandpa, who passed away a few years ago, he, he used to say to me, uh, buddy, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass before they win. And I thought, no, no, they're going to win. They're going to win. And it was always really heartbreaking to me that they didn't. And so I hope the same thing for myself. I hope that in my lifetime we see a, a cup come to Vancouver. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is Game Day. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Game Day. Um, what does game day look like for you? Do you have any routines, any superstitions? Um, give me the scoop. <laughs> yeah, game day is a lonely day for me because I don't love the, you know, watching with other people. I like to be able to yell at the television on my own and, uh, <laughs> free of judgment. Oh yeah. And just, you know, sit there and just like laugh and like pat myself on the back or cry. But, um, it's kind of actually, you know, it's funny just lately I've started to watch with my sons who've who, if they're into it, it's fun. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you have like a group chat? Like since you do like to watch it a, a lot of times by yourself or, you know, do you, do you have like a text yep. chat and, and who's I'm in a in huge it? group chat. Yeah. I'm in a huge group chat. And who, who's in it? Who's in your Canucks group chat and what's happening during the game? Oh God. Uh, are you kidding me? It's that it was things that if it came out, I probably have no career. Because it's trash talk. It's just pure, pure trash talk. <laughs> so your group chat is definitely popping. Got that. Okay, hockey is all about the rivalries as well, right? That's a part of it. Sure. And the Canucks have plenty. But who do you think is the team's biggest rival and why? That's a good question. You know, now I don't know. It changes every few years. Uh, for a while, it was Chicago, for sure. Um, you know, what? It, well, I can tell you this, that Seattle has been awarded uh, its first ever expansion franchise. I don't know. I kept saying they're going to call the, the, the arena the crack house. And maybe the fans could be the crackheads. I don't know. But you were getting but ahead already, of the game on all of the digs. Already we hate them. I was always a Seattle fan because they're our, our neighbors and we love them very much. But now that they've been awarded a, a franchise, they can go in themselves. <laughs> they're going down. You're done with them. All right, the divorce has happened. That'll be our, that'll be the rivalry of the century. Seattle and Vancouver, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. All right, a music question. Sure. You announced that you've officially started working on your next album. Uh-huh. Uh, what can you tell us about the new project? What should fans expect from it? Right now, I'm really excited about a song called Alita that I wrote with Gary Barlow and Sebastian Chatra. Yatra, you can go and look at it, called Alita, E-L-I-T-A. The video just came out. It's a great song, actually. I think it's going to be a big hit. It is, it's going well in the UK because that's where it got released first. And um, one of my favorite human beings, entertainers, singers in the world, and I just did a song for Christmas. Her name is Dolly Parton, and it's called Cuddle Up, Cozy Down. And it is so cute, and I'm really proud of it. Yes, I have heard about this Christmas song with Dolly Parton. What was the best part of, of doing that? With Dolly, oh, the first time she, the first time she ever wrote me, I couldn't. She actually wrote me this beautiful letter, and she said, "You know, I've written this song. Would you have any interest?" And I promised it was weird, but it's true. I didn't listen to the song. Um, 
I just wrote back and said, yes, anything you want. Yes. And uh, that's how, that's just how, I think that's just how much I revere her. I just, I, I just have so much respect and admiration for, for her and who she is and how she is. And I think right before that I had watched a, a, a show of a friend, Reese Witherspoon is a, is a real nice lady and we've worked together before. And she had this really cool show where she chose women uh, in, in all sort of different businesses that have inspired her. And she, one of the first episodes she had uh, Dolly Parton and it's like, she's just everything that you hope that she would be yeah. and more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to Crunch Time. Okay, so now we're moving to the speed round, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions and sure. you give me rapid-fire answers, okay? Okay. All right. You can't go to a Canucks game without what? Having white spot. Most prized Canucks memorabilia? My, uh, my hockey sticks. My, uh, the, I got the team gave me their hockey sticks. Best Canucks jersey, blue, white, or those retro black and gold things? Maybe the ones that you were describing that you hated. The retro <laughs> black and gold, easily, easily the most beautiful. All right. Three favorite Canucks of all time? Uh, I think Daniel, Henrik Sedin, and Pavel Bure. You get to orchestrate one trade for the team. Who do you want? Who do you go get? Uh <laughs> I get to have one trade for the team. I would like to have Connor McDavid for a seventh round draft pick, please. Ooh. Uh, no, let me change that up. Connor McDavid for a ninth round draft pick, please. Oh, you dropped two spots. Good. Okay. Uh, if you could put on your Canucks jersey and check one rival player into the boards, who would it be? Messier. And I wouldn't want to hit him, like, body check him. I'd, 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 I'd like it to be a Zamboni. <laughs> Would you trade a future Grammy for a Canucks Stanley yes. Cup? Yes. I'll give you one of the other ones, too, that I have already. I'll give, you all, I'll give you all four. What? Are you kidding In me? In a second. That wasn't even a question that I had to think about. 
Holy smokes. I will mail it to you. I'll Amazon <laughs> it to you or wherever, the pure later. Um, one word to describe your Canucks fanhood. Undying. It's true love. That's two words, but it's true love. This has been great. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, man. I had a great time with you. You can find Huge Fan on Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and share so other Huge Fans can find us. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the Huge Fan Club, Mark Aflalo, Sarah Bentley, Justin Blasey, Rod Braxton, Bill Crandall, Rick Cutler, Unique DaCosta, Liam Davenport, Jen Derwin, Brian Douglas, Bevel Dunkerley, Jared Fox, Steve Gonzalez, Daniel Hercheck, Josh Horn, Mia Hung, Quinn Keeney, Andy King, Phil Lang, Steve Leeds, Sarah Mendoza, Sajin Morency, Doug Mortman, Natalie Nadimi, Rob Pepitone, Josh Solomon, Mike Spinella, James Sullivan, and Jake Wilson. I'm LaChina Robinson. Until next time, keep rooting your guts out. Go Budos Band! The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.